Remember from our story from last week, Daniel chapter 5, just to kind of bring everyone up to speed of what is happening. King Belshazzar was killed. The Babylonian Empire is no more. Because why? Because God said it. Jeremiah 25, Jeremiah 51, Isaiah 47, God said that Babylon had 70 years, and then they were no more. And that's what we have seen. So to, to think about what we talked about, Belshazzar co-ruled with his father, Nebuchadnezzar, and they set out for this great party in Babylon, a cocktail party of all cocktail parties. Thousands of nobles and lords were there. It was a drunken stupor. It's, hence, that's why Babylon, it, this is the parties they threw all the time, and particularly this particular moment, to get their minds off really what was happening outside the city because the Medes were encroaching the city. Well, remember, they defied God, pretty much spit in God's face by bringing out the golden vessels that were taken from captivity 60 years prior, and they were drinking and saying, hey, we don't care about this God of the Jews. And remember what happened? A hand came out of the middle of nowhere, well, not really, and wrote on the wall. And it freaked Belshazzar out, so he called forth Daniel to interpret this dream. And remember what the dream said. It was many, many tequil periace, which meant Daniel told King Belshazzar, your number is up, your number is up. Your life has been weighed, and you just lost your kingdom. And that very night, October 12, 539 B.C., Belshazzar was killed. Not before, though, promoting Daniel to the third in command. Remember, if he, whoever could interpret that dream was going to give them a purple, Belshazzar was going to give him a purple robe and a gold chain and become third in command. Well, that was actually long, short-lived, wasn't it? Remember how the city was taken over? General Ugaburu. What a great name. General Ugaburu was, and King Darius were, were building canals off the river off the Euphrates to bring the water level down at times by using it, by damming it up. And what that did was is they would bring that water out to bring the Euphrates River low to where it was thigh high to where King U, or General Ugaburu brought a, a, a regiment in the front gate and the back gate and walked right through the city of Babylon. Under the gate, walked right through it, and they, there was no battle. There was no war. They just overtook Babylon. I said, nope, we're in charge now. Belshazzar, kill him. Now I'm in charge. And that's, it, that's what happened. A, a fascinating military story. If you ever wanted to read it, young people, to understand history, right? You're like, yeah, please get history out of here. But the Bible's history. It's fascinating. And so we find here today... Daniel chapter 6. Now, if you look at your Bibles, you will see there, this is the story of Daniel in the lion's den. And I know for many of us, we've heard many messages on Daniel in the lion's den. Let me tell you, here is probably one of the themes of those messages. Listen, Daniel, deli Daniel was delivered by God from the lion's den, so therefore, God's going to deliver you from your struggles and trials. Is that true? You're like, yeah, amen, good. Now, let me say this. God can, and he may, but that's not what this story is about. Remember, the book of Daniel is about God's sovereignty in protecting a people and protecting a man by the name of Daniel. So this morning, God can save us from our struggle and trial. He may, but one thing we can learn is that no matter, and I look around the room, all of us have been through struggles and trials and tragedies. Through it all, whether God saves us or not, it goes back to what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said in Daniel chapter 3. But if not... 
Our God's going to be faithful. Our God is sovereign over all. Our God will get us through. And that's what we see here in the book of Daniel. So I like to title the first section of uh, verses under new management. Under new management, no longer are the Babylonians in charge. It's now King Darius and the Medes and the Persians. So let's begin reading in verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom and over three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom the satraps should give account so that the king might not suffer loss. And I will explain that a little bit later. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Do you see like Daniel is like just climbing the ladder of success in all the... It's like he's now second in command. So here, if you look at a flow chart, this is where Daniel is at. So King Darius, there's Daniel. So if you look at our political system, Daniel would be the vice president of the Medo-Persian Empire. How does this happen? God. God had this all planned out. We remember, he's third in command. Now he's second in command. And guess how old Daniel is at this particular moment? He's about 87 years of age. Retirement? He understands that God is still using him in a great and mighty way, not only spiritually for a kingdom, but he is proving himself at his jobs of just being an honest guy who is following the laws of God. Reminds me of a... Of a, of a say a young lady, Florence Rigney, 90-year-old, the oldest employee in America, 90-year-old, Florence Rigney, she worked 60 years as a nurse and decided just finally to retire at 90. When we come to 90 years of age, some of us have been retired probably for 30 years. I, w- I want to encourage our, our, our senior saints for a moment, for those that are retired and are in the wisdom category. Why are you laughing? That's, it's true. That was, that was a very good good response god's we're never retired from god's work you know we could continue and, and I, I appreciate the, the senior saints here at faith bible church you, you 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 created a great path for our young younger people to look at the faithfulness of what you've done for god at this ministry here don't ever stop the last time the only time we retire is when we see jesus face to face and so take 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 heart take heart to daniel here 87 years old And he is still serving God faithfully. So this morning, I'd like to look at four key players or four characters in Daniel 6. And I'd like us to learn some principles, some characteristics of things we should not have in our life, but also things that we need to have to be faithful followers of Jesus. Our first category, our first characters are the instigators, verses 4 through 9. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground to, for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could not find no grounds or complaint of any fault or any fault, because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, "We shall not find any grounds for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God." Does it tell you what kind of man Daniel is? What kind of man he has shown himself to be? Verse six. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects, the satraps, the counselors, and the governors, all politicians, okay, 
are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the lion's den. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it can be, cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then therefore, therefore King Darius signed the document and injunction. So here, here's what happened. His, his top politicians tried to float this idea. And here's what the idea was. Hey, King Darius, you're, you're the best thing since sliced bread. You are awesome. We love you. You should be worshipped. And for 30 days, why don't we worship you as a god? And see, this is nothing new. This was called the divinity of the kings. And Medo-Persian in the Babylonian Empire, back to Egypt, kings could be set apart as gods, as deities. And we know that if you know anything about history in Egypt, you go to the, the pyramids and you find mummified bodies of past leaders who they thought who were gods. So what they did is they listen, King Darius, 30 days, no one worships any god. Because what did the men say? If we're going to get Daniel, it's going to have to be something with his god. I've often wondered, if this is the case, like, why be God just for 30 days? If I'm king, well, the rest of my reign, I want to be considered a god. No one worships anyone but me. But for 30 days, because it wasn't about King Darius being God, this was about catching Daniel. Another thing we need to understand, when it talks about the laws of the Medes and Persians, we looked at Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar, he operated as a monarchy. He was in charge, he made a law. If he wanted to change that law, he changed that law. Underneath the Medes and Persians, it was a constitutional monarch. And what that meant was, once the law was set in place, there was accountability, and the king could not change it. That's why it says there in the text, it could not be revoked. You know why? These men knew that Darius and Daniel were friends. And knew that once the king put this in law... It couldn't be revoked. Daniel was put in this place of position. Now think about it. Guy's in business. He's 87 years old. He's promoted to vice president. He was a Jew, lived as a Babylonian, now is in the Medo-Persian Empire. Does he know anything about the Medo-Persian Empire, yet now he's the vice president of it? No. You would be mad too. You would be white and we would be one of these agitators. Why? that guy getting that promotion he doesn't deserve it. i've been serving kick darius for years what's up with this guy well what's one thing we learned from these instigators is this is jealousy these men were jealous they wanted daniel's job and they were going to do anything they could to take him out of that position it's, it's also interesting when it says there in the in the second verse that he would daniel was put there so the king would not suffer loss what that means was this. King Darius knew there was some extortion, and there was some, some of these guys were shysters. And they, he was losing money. He was losing something somewhere. He put Daniel in a place of accountability for these guys, and these guys didn't like that because they wanted to do their old pol political thing and do their thing and grab taxes here and here and put it here. It sounds familiar, doesn't it? Okay, we won't go there. Let me ask you a question. Are you jealous this morning? Is there someone that you are jealous of in your life? Someone at work? Someone at school? Young people? Someone in your neighborhood? Someone in your family? 
Understand this, jealousy is this idea of resenting what someone else has. And jealousy always turns to envy. And what is envy? Envy is wanting what someone else has, which if you look at the law of Moses in Exodus 19, it's covetousness. So thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor. People are in jail today because of jealousy. Businesses have failed and folded because business owners were jealous of each other. Families have been divided because of jealousy. Friendships have ended because of jealousy. Churches have split because of jealousy. Let's just see what Scripture says about jealousy. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. The Apostle Paul, of course, is talking to the church at Corinth. He says this, For you are still of the flesh. Well, it tells us there that jealousy is not a good thing. It's of the flesh. There is jealousy, and in the context of the Greek there, it means jealousy is envy or resentment. And strife, strife there means discord, among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only? human way what's paul say listen if you have jealousy or envy guess what you're living in the flesh i like what he told the christians in galatians chapter 5 verses 19 through 21 he says this now the works of the flesh are evident sexual immorality impurity sensuality idolatry sorcery enmity strife jealousy fits of anger rivalries dissensions divisions envy drunkenness orgies and things like these I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's interesting, he put, if we were to make a list of sins from the worst to the least, where would you put jealousy and envy? Probably at the bottom. It's not, but where's Paul? Paul throws these right into all the hot sins, right? And guess what? Jealousy is that snowball sin. You start with jealousy, and it just rolls out of control. Envy, strife. Jealousy turns, can turn to murder in some people's eyes. You get jealous, your covetousness, and co- get covet, have covetousness. Paul tells us earlier in Galatians 5 that we are to walk in the Spirit. Think about the jealousy that you've had or are or, or, or going through right now. What, we need more of God's Spirit controlling us. See, when we walk in the Spirit, there's two ideas. There's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and then there is the filling of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, we believe, actually, is that we were baptized by the Holy Spirit when we, we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. God came in. His Spirit lived within us permanently, universally. His Holy Spirit, we are baptized by the Holy Spirit. All of us who know Jesus have been baptized by the Holy Spirit. Once and done act. The filling of the Holy Spirit now is a continual act. It is something every day that all of us, Lord, I need your spirit. God, I need you to God. Lord, Lord, I need your help. Lord, take this, this, I, this sin of jealousy out of my mind. Lord, fill me. I like the Greeks gave a great illustration of, of, of a sailboat. Sailboat. Janet, you remember Marlon, her husband, my father-in-law, he got a sailboat once. They hated water. They hated swimming. And I go to Judy, why did your parents get a sailboat? So one day after we were married, the first month we were married, we went on, on, on the Cadoris Lake in York, Pennsylvania. And we went out on this sailboat, and we got in. I, I grew up, I mean, I was in swim lessons at four years old. I love the water. I'll jump into a lake. I love it. We're sitting there in a sailboat in the middle of this lake. Okay, what now? Where's the motor? And I see the distance where the white caps were happening. I said, we've got to get out there to get some wind. You see, the Greeks have this idea that think of your life 
as a, as, as, as a boat. And when you, God's Spirit fills you daily, His breath blows that sail, and it pushes you in the direction you need to go as you live your life. That God's Spirit is constantly involved in your life and your decision-making as you live. Because there's times in life where we become stagnant, don't we? Hey, God, man, I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I'm not where I should be. God, I, I, I fill me. Please, God, help me. Help me through this. And that wind fills the sail, and we are living for God the way we need to. We need to be filled with the Spirit. This helps us not have jealousy and envy in our life. As we look at these agitators... Jealousy, as we'll find out by the end of our time together, does not end well for them and their family. Let's rid ourselves of this idea of jealousy and envy in our life. Brothers and sisters, we need to celebrate people when they succeed. We need to be happy for individuals, rejoice with them, rejoice for them. This is how followers of Jesus are, to put, are supposed to live. And ministry, is, 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 it happens in ministry. Why did that person get that director's job over this ministry i can't believe they're here again at church what is that that's jealousy that's envy it ends up turning to strife and then you end up leaving and the cycle just continues let's rid ourselves of jealousy. let's not be like these agitators let's rejoice with people when they need to be rejoiced for let's not be like these agitators the second character we're going to look at of course is we're in the book of Daniel, why would we have a character, and of course it's named after him. So Daniel is our second character this morning. Just two verses, I want to look at Daniel's life here. Verse 3, then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps. So underline this, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. There was something different about Daniel. He had the spirit of God in him that was directing life how about you yes we're saved we're baptized by the holy spirit we're saved we're going to heaven but how is that filling going in our life are we filled daily by the holy spirit that allows us to live a life pleasing to god look at verse 10 when daniel knew that the document had been signed he went to his house where he had windows his in his upper chamber and opened towards jerusalem he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his god as he had done previously. Well, Daniel knew the bill was signed in the law. What did he do? Hey, did you hear King Darius? What, what's that mean for us? No. He went right up to his chamber, opened his windows, and did what he has done the past 60 years in Babylon and what he's going to continue to do in the Medo-Persian Empire. He is going to pray to his God like he always had. See, he practiced what was right all the time. He was a God-pleaser, not a man-pleaser. He was a God-pleaser, not a man-pleaser. We see Dan here, Daniel here. We want to understand this characteristic needs to be a part of our life. He was a man of integrity. Daniel was a man of integrity. Integrity is doing what is right when no one else is looking. Integrity is doing what is right when no one else is looking. Daniel never took the easy way out, did he? Look at verse 4. They were saying, even these agitators were, say, agitators were saying, but they could not find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Can you imagine having that said about you? And that word faithful in the context means he was reliable and sure. And as we look at that, he was reliable and sure in his faith, but he also was reliable and sure in his job. 
because that integrity, the Spirit of God was upon him. He did his job with the Spirit of God in him and where it got him. He was looked at. He was looked at as a man of integrity. In fact, King Darius, as we said, put him in a place of accountability. A foreigner. Okay, I want you to watch these guys here. These guys are trouble. No wonder these guys were fired up. Just think about it a minute. Just 30 days. You don't have to pray to your God for 30, just 30 days. See, Daniel always followed God. Daniel 1. All he had to do was eat the meal King Nebuchadnezzar gave him, just like the other Jews that were taken into captivity. But what did he do? Sorry, I, I can't do this. This defies my God. His buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, all they had to do was bow down like thousands of other young Jewish people who were taken into captivity. All he had to do was just bow down, just bow down, and then you could still go back and worship God. That's all they had to do. Did he do it? Did they do it? No. Daniel here, all he has to do is just shut his blinds, close his doors, and pray quietly so no one hears him or sees him praying to his God. No, what did Daniel do? He stood up and said, this is what I've done, and I'm not going to reject my God. I am going, whatever happens to me, I'm going to pray to my God, just like I always have. You know the car, the Tesla? The one that has the autopilot in it? Well, there's, there's some couple stories that I read about this week that in the Tesla, two people have actually were killed being driven by that car, because they're not driving it. And one guy was killed watching a movie. And what happened was, he just trusted the autopilot, and it ran into a, a cement and, uh, a barrier, and when he, was, he was killed. See, many times we, in our Christian life, we're just on autopilot. We're just going through, hey, whatever the, wherever the Christian faith takes us, yeah, I know, it, I, 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 we just got to go along with the flow of things that are happening in our world and our culture. You know, yeah, but you know, if we just, just we got to close the blinds for 30 days, and we're still good, we're still Christian, we can still serve God. Daniel wasn't a man of autopilot, being on autopilot. He well, if you know your car is going to an embankment, I hopefully you would grab, and I say, yeah, this is supposed to do this. It's supposed to run me into a wall. No, you grab that. No, 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 no. Daniel grabbed the wheel and said, no, I don't care what culture's saying. I'm going this direction. But then I hear compl complaints or arguments. But Daniel lived in a different time. He, he wasn't tempted like we're tempted today. Oh, really? Let's, let's just rewind here and see where Daniel is at in his life. Okay, taken from Babylon, taken from Israel to be put into Babylon as a young teenage boy. Was placed in the position as a, a governor. Interpreted his first dream. Now he's boosted up to the director of the Magi Wisdom Department. And then we see here, at the last, uh, last week, he was promoted to third in charge of Babylon. Now he's second in command of the Medo-Persian Empire. So you say, okay, Pastor, what's the big deal? Yeah, okay, great. He got in position of leadership. In the most pagan world government that our world has seen. And think of our political system and the corruptness that happens. Listen, and you folks in leadership and your jobs understand this. The power of, the, the position of power and leadership, there's benefits you get a company car, you get a company, you know, uh, 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 from credit card. But there's also benefits that sometimes will harm you if you choose not to be a person of integrity. So was Daniel faced with the idea of sexual immorality? Oh, yes, he was. 
You're telling me a guy in position under the kings, they had harems all over the place. They had women running wild. So to say that he wasn't tempted this way is a flat-out lie. This was He lived it, but he chose to stand against it. When we say, well, did he, did, did he was tempted with lewd behavior and drunkenness? Oh, yeah. Daniel lived in that lifestyle. He wasn't part of it. He lived in the government that lived this. In fact, we learned last week that the kings would throw these lavish parties for lords and nobles in which Daniel was. But what did Daniel do? He wasn't on autopilot. He didn't follow suit with many other followers of God, what they did just to fit in. But Daniel didn't, there was no idol worship. What? Yes, there was. There was hundreds of gods for these, these kings. Man, they worshiped everything. But he chose to follow his God. Political corruptness and, ex, and, and extortion? Yes. Hence, that's why Daniel's in the position he's in right now. What I want to say here is that Daniel was surrounded by the same temptations that we have today. But he chose to do what? He says, I'm a follower of God, and that's the direction I'm going. He didn't fall in suit with the autopilot mentality where, you know what, I just got to do this. I got to follow you. God still loves me. No, he was of integrity, and he stood up for his God. I love what Solomon says in Proverbs 10, 9. He says, whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. Proverbs eleven three 3 tells us this, the integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. Daniel was a man of integrity. Let me ask you this morning, are you viewed as a person of integrity? Think about your Christian faith. Are, are, are you, are you a, a person of integrity in your walk with God? Do you stand up for him? Do you live for him? Do you have those, those, those uh, uh, adjectives that are described of Daniel here, of who he was? Are you a man of integrity, a woman of integrity at your job? Are you always trying to find a shortcut, trying to take someone out? How does your family see you as a person? Do they see you as a person of integrity? when you are in a situation of standing up for what is right. Like for instance, you know, you go to the grocery store, you go to Huawei, and they, they, they give you some extra change back. You stop, and with your kids are there, hey, listen, you overpaid me. doesn't matter how much it's for. That's integrity. See something drop, one dropped out of their pant pocket instead of saying, whoop, finders, keepers. Say, hey, 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 no, no, hey, you dropped this out of your wallet. That's integrity. My father worked for a, the Mannheim Auto Auction years ago when he was in seminary. And, and, um, and he would go get cars, bring them back to the auction, and they would, he would clean them out. And then he would give the keys and they would sell the car. This one time he was cleaning the car, he found 50 bucks in the back seat. Now this is back in the 80s when 50 bucks could go a long way. And being a, being a seminary student and working a couple of jobs to get his family through 50 bucks, man, we would have been partying. They could have paid for a lot of things, but my dad did that money in. He said, hey, listen, um, I found this in the backseat of the car. His boss looked at him like he had two heads. What is your problem? Just take the money. No, it's not mine. Call the guy at the car. That's 50 bucks. Maybe you call him, say you left 50 bucks, and give it back to him. Well, later that, uh, at the end of that week, my dad got a, a card in the mail from his employer with a gift certificate to a restaurant for $50. He said, that's not a big deal. Well, it is for me. Because that was a sign of integrity. And God honors integrity. Are you a person of integrity? 
See, as we see here with Daniel and his life, his integrity continued to open doors for him for influence. There's not a mistake that Daniel was the vice president of the Medo-Persian Empire. It makes no sense humanly, but it does with God. God had him there because he was a man of integrity. He kept proving himself over and over and over. Brothers and sisters, if we continue to pursue integrity, pursue righteous living, God will be pleased and God will honor you. Are you a person of integrity? Our third character this morning is King Darius. Look at verses 11 through 20. Again, I'm going to read some text, but also overview uh, some of the text as well, just because of time. So here's where this, this part of the story, Daniel goes up and he does what he always has done. He's prayed to his God. And this is what these instigators wanted. They knew they were going to get Daniel here, and this is what they were waiting for. They're sitting there uh, outside his house like, all right, man, he's going to do it. Let's watch him. We're going to get him. He's going to get get killed. Here we go. These men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God, just like they knew he would. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, can you the attitude of these guys? Okay. Did you not sign that injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, they'll be cast into the lion's den? The king answered and says, that thing stands according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. That's exactly right, he said. Do you see him there? Well, we got some bad news for you, king. Daniel, who was one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king. Or the injunction you have signed, but makes petitions or prays there three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, because he truly, I believe, was a friend of Daniel, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. You know what he did? When he found out Daniel was the one praying, he did everything that day till sundown to try to get out of this law. It says, he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. He was, okay, what can we do? How can we get Daniel out of this? Because he realized what he did. Look at verse 15. No, O king. These guys just read and drive me nuts. They're the, they're the teacher's pet, you know, in school that you're like, would you be quiet? No, O king, that this is a law of the Medes and Persians. Again, they're reminding him of the law, and no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. You can't change this, King Darius. Remember, then he commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast. I want you to circle the word cast, because we're going to come back and touch on that in a few moments. He was cast into the lion's den. The king declared to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually deliver you. And in verse 17, a stone was placed over the hole of the, of the cave where the lions were. It was sealed so no one could mess with it and know that the king set his seal there. And look at verse 18. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him and sleep fled from him. He was worried about his friend Daniel. He didn't want to be bothered. He wanted to fast, and he could not sleep. He was worried about Daniel. A few things about about lion's dens. I know for many of us, we know this story, and we remember from when we were children. But lions actually roamed the earth very... uh, There there was a lot of lions around the time of the Middle East at this time. There was lions 
you could see them as you were doing your business in the city. I was telling some of the younger kids uh, at the first service, can you imagine seeing a lion just kind of walking down the road? Like a squirrel or groundhog, they, we, we try to run them over. No, I don't do that. Um, but you imagine you won't try to run a lion over. Um, but I remember when, when, when Mitchell was overseas and he sent back a video of him going to his job in Saudi Arabia, uh, he sent a picture of this is like, like 50 camels running down the side of the road. Can you imagine seeing that on it? Wow, that's amazing. Lions roamed the earth. They were, they were just part of the, the world's culture. Well, kings kept them under in a, in a, in a den in, 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 in this particular time of history. It was a cistern, a cistern, a, a, a hole in the ground, a, a, a stone hole, deep hole that they would store water. Well, at times, kings would make it into a den. Well, this den would, was a 10 to 15 foot drop into that cistern. So you think of a basketball hoop, that's 10 feet, so 10 to 15 feet high, dropped into the Daniel, in, into the, the den where Daniel was. And then, of course, a big stone was placed over the hole when they threw the people in, and it was sealed shut. Can you believe that we have the text here that says what happened to Daniel? But there's always those very, very smart, educated, liberal theologians that try to discount stories like Noah and the ark, or Jonah and the whale, Daniel and the lion's den. Can you believe that? But there are. There's three reasons, there's three actually beliefs, some theologians, of why Daniel didn't die in the lion's den. Do you want to hear them? Because it's comic relief for you today, okay? I'll give you a comic relief. First one is this. The lions weren't hungry. Okay, so let me get this. So here's the most powerful nation in the world, King Darius. You just set a law into place, and the punishment is to be thrown in the lion's den, and sometimes those lions just aren't hungry, so they won't eat you. Does that make sense? No. Second one. Daniel, 87 years of age, was cast. He wasn't placed. He was cast into the lion's den, 87. And somehow he got up from that. He got to a corner of the cave, and he hid from the lions. Okay. Third one, as he fell into the cave, he crawled over to some straw and covered himself up so he wouldn't be smelled by the lions. I, I'm just, I read this, I'm like, uh, it says it in there that the angels shut the mouths of the lions. I'll go with that one. How about you, amen? This is what God said. But this liberal theologian tried to just distract us from the truth. It was a miracle of God. And young people, I want you to understand this. We live in a culture, and this is just a sidebar this morning. We live in a culture, Scripture says this, but culture will try to deny it. And they will look at you as buffoons. They will persecute you. They will make fun of you. But remember we said last week, God's Word, we stand on the truth of God's Word. That will, and you just have to say, this is, what, this is what God says, and do what you need to do with me. We stand on the truth of God. And many issues that are going to start coming down our pike very soon. This is what God's word. Young people, stay on, stay on course with God's word. You can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. So what we see here as we come out to the end of the story, King Darius realizes he's been played. He comes to Daniel, is, is, is thrown into the lion's den. He is worried about his friend Daniel. What we see with Darius, and here's what we want to get for our lives this morning. He was loyal. King Darius was a loyal friend to Daniel. 
We see that he labored to try to change the law. He, was, he lost sleep over what he did. And he came to the, he came to the, 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 the den, den that morning, and he says, Daniel, did your God save you? Waiting to hear his dear friend's voice. How about you? Would you consider yourself a loyal friend? I understand we, we say loyalty. We, we are, hopefully we're all loyal to God. And that is based on the actions that we take by standing up for the things of God. But our, our life should reflect a loyalty to God. That's a given. But are you loyal to your brothers and sisters here in the church as the body? Think about that a minute. Are you concerned about your brothers and sisters? Like Daniel, uh, Darius was concerned about Daniel. Do you care about the circumstances they're going through? Do you, do you encourage them? Do you lift them up? Do they know that you're a friend that can be counted on? As brothers and sisters here in this body, all of us should be loyal to each other because we are brothers and sisters. We will spend eternity together. We need to care for one another in any circumstances and show that care and concern. We see there as well, we see in verse 16, Darius was an encourager. Look what he says there. Then the king commanded and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continue to deliver you. The last thing that Daniel was charged to do as he was thrown in the lions then by King Darius, hey, may your God deliver you. He was encouraged to think of his God that got him that far. So here is a pagan king encouraging Daniel, his friend, to keep focused on his God. What a friend he was. Do we encourage our friends in that way? Do we, are we loyal to our friends as the body of Christ? Our fourth character this morning is this, is none other than God himself, our holy, almighty God. Look at verses 19 through 28. This is, the, this is the part of the movie where you're sitting there, and this is vindication. Here it comes. The good guy some, coming out somewhere, and Daniel didn't hide in a corner of the cave. You know, he didn't find some toothpick or duct tape like MacGyver and try to get himself out. God delivered him. Now he pulls Daniel out with no harm done. And look what verse 24, And the king commanded that those men who maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the lion's den. They, their children, and their wives. Understand, Medo, the Medo-Persian law was this. When a, when a criminal was charged, their family was also punished. Oof. That's kind of scary. That's just how they operated. And look what, at the end of 24. So much for the theologians' view that the lions weren't hungry. It's supposed to be funny, yes. And before they reached the bottom of the den... The lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Do you understand the shock in all this story? Sometimes we just bypass this. So this, these people were thrown into the lion's den, and before they hit the ground, their, body, their bones were broken. So those lions weren't really hungry. No, they were. But look what happens at the, after this, all, after God protected Daniel. What's, Ned, what's, what's Darius do here? He proclaims Daniel's God as the living God. Remember Nebuchadnezzar called this global summit in Daniel 4? Well, here Nebuchadnezzar writes this out to all peoples, nations, and languages of this God, Daniel's God. And what's it, what's it say there? 
I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall come have no end. He delivers and rescues. He's, he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered under the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. To have, let's just, just look at the story of Daniel. To Gentile pagan kings come to the point of their life where they give praise to the living, true God. You find that ironic, but God is sovereign. And God does what he does. He does it in the way that he wants to do it because he is God. Think about it for us. We look at Daniel like, man, that is amazing. God protected Daniel. God put him in a place of influence. Folks, God is the same God of Daniel that is alive and well today in us. And God is sovereign over all your lives, our lives. God has you in places where you can be a person of integrity, that you can be a person that stands up for what is right. God has control of your life. He wants you to do that. He put you in a place to stand for him, to live for him. But the question is, will we do it? Will we do it? Christians, we need to get out of autopilot. We need to stop cruising along with, with what's happening in our culture, in the, in the, in the Christian world. Like, well, every, all the other Christians are doing is, well, we should do this. No, what's the word of God say? And we need to stand on that. So, brothers and sisters, it's this. We don't want to be jealous like the agitators. Get rid of jealousy. Number two, we learn from Daniel. We need to be people of integrity in church, in our Christian faith, but in our jobs, in our secular words, in our, school, in our schools, in our, in our places of community. We learn from Darius we need to be loyal be a loyal friend. Be a loyal person that you can be counted on. Your word, you're loyal because you are loyal to your word. We've seen that with Daniel, with Darius. Darius said, hey, Daniel has to go in the lines, and that's what I said. Be, lo- be a loyal person. Lastly, no matter what happens in our life, understand this. The good, the bad, or the ugly, it's not a surprise to God. God is sovereign. He is in control. And guess what? No matter what we go through individually or as a church or as a group, God will prove himself faithful. God is a faithful, loving, just, righteous God, and we can bank on that as his people. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for just this beautiful story in your word, just talking about this this, this great man of Daniel. We pray, Father, we can be people that live like Daniel that serve you like them, that live our lives, just even outside of our church, how we work, how we go to school. Lord, allow us to be people of integrity. Help us to be loyal people. Help us, Lord, to understand that you are sovereign, you are in control, and your will and your purpose will be done in our lives. And we can trust the fact that you have a plan for us. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the people that are here this morning as we've come to worship and to hear your word. And we take what we've learned and we we apply it to our lives today and this week. And we ask this in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. So stand up and sing. I would be hopeless without your goodness. I would be desperate. 